My God, it's working. Bring it up there, Mark. <laughs> oh, that's enough. Cut it out. We don't have any time for all that foolishness. Cut out, Mark. And here's the star of the show. One of them few people who speak for the hopes and the fears, the dreams and the aspirations of his time. Uh, we have a very short show tonight. That's why we had to cut the theme, you know, and all that. Come on, very fast. We have a very short show and a lot of commercials. So the combination causes us to squeak around the knees. However, uh, the reason we have a short show tonight is that uh, uh, Mr. Beam, I believe, isn't it? Uh, Mr. Beam is uh, coming on here at uh, at uh, 11.30, thereabouts. Beam, he's a politician, right? Yeah, that's right. Running for something here. Uh, there's a... Uh, oh, politics, yeah, fantastic. I, I just got back from... Uh, from another world, totally other world. So if, uh, if I sound a little disoriented tonight, it's a... Uh, gee, I, I just keep thinking of bad puns, and I never was a, a, a guy with the puns. I just said, if I sound disoriented tonight, and I was going to say something like, I haven't been to a Chinese restaurant for years, but uh, <laughs> there's a guy who's, who's just been expelled from China, disoriented. That's <laughs> oh, rotten business. I guess it's due to the fact that you, that uh, what with the Watergate hearings on the one hand and the New York primaries on the other hand and uh, all the stuff going on, it's easy enough to feel as if you're in some kind of a vast media-wearing blender. I mean, you know, nothing has any kind of reality at all. Uh, you know, James, uh, what is this, John Dean, W. Dean the third is already getting fan letters from little old ladies who have cats just because they like the cut of his jaw. He's so clean-cut looking. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a, you, you don't know where reality begins any longer and where fantasy starts. And have you noticed that uh, none of the guys that are talking in the Watergate thing seem to have much of a sense of reality? You know, about these guys actually busting into the Watergate, you know, wearing masks over their faces and black uh, T-shirts. You know, you know that's what they did. Did you know how they were dressed? Did you know? I mean, uh, that's called the top copy syndrome. You ever see that movie, Top Copy? Set a whole, uh, it has set a whole style for uh, burglars. You cannot burgle a place any longer in, in style unless you wear something black, like a black turtleneck sweater or one of those wetsuits. That's very important. Shepard's rule of thumb, anytime you see a movie where a guy is hanging by his teeth from what looks like a rubber string about to steal the jewels, uh, tune away quick. That's George Hamilton, and it's no good. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a Shepard uh, rule of thumb. Also, be careful any movie that opens up with a guy writing on parchment with a quill pen. Uh, that's Cornell Wilde. That's even worse. And uh, th these are all rules of thumb to learn rule of thumb. How is your thumb, by the way? I have a very unruly thumb. Hey, have you figured out how to stay cool this summer, friends? Well, one way is to get... I mean, one way is to do it the French way, with chilled bottles of red Beaujolais wine. That'll cool you off there. almost said something there. You'll really be living. Of course, just any Beaujolais won't quite make it. You have to have a genuine Beaujolais. Alexis Lachine, the beautiful Beaujolais imported from France in those gracious, curvaceous bottles. Alexis Lachine, Beaujolais, tastes fresh, light, fruity. Shouldn't use that phrase, the way... That the phrase is uh, out now, ever since all that liberation gave... No, that's something else. Beaujolais is the most popular French wine in America, and while other wines have increased their prices, 
Alexis Lachine is still at its same Lolo Lolo price. Alexis Lachine Beaujolais is the perfect summer wine to drink on your patio, at the beach, out of a paper bag, I mean, uh, on picnics, on your own backyard. And it goes better with your summertime meals, especially cold chicken and barbecued meats. Yes, they're having one of those elegant evenings over in Flushing. You know, you're out there just off Utopia Parkway when the Jets are screaming in over Shea Stadium and the Mets are dropping another one. You can open an elegant bottle of Beaujolais and toast that American Airlines plane as it goes whistling over, dripping kerosene on your head. Oh, yes, I have to say one other thing here. Uh, Alexis Lachine, uh, imported by Bass Charrington Vintners, New York. Remember the name. Alexis Lachine. Sing it, gang. Using too much sugar in your iced tea and iced coffee? Get Sweet and Low, the perfect sugar substitute. Sweet and Low is featured at fine food and drug stores everywhere. According to the spot here. Sweet and Low, Sweet and Low. La da tee tee tee. La da tee. La da tee. Do you remember when you were an officer? And you didn't have to listen to this kind of stuff and do these humiliating things, Larry. You do remember that. Well, we all have our memories. Terrible to find yourself downhill already. If you ever think of your life as a graph, you know, you know a graph, you know, and you see the sales chart, and you've seen these graphs. I've never actually been in a place where they had a graph, you know, where it says you're going up or down. I, they always have them in the New York Times and the... Uh, in the economic section there. The Times doesn't have a business section. There's an economic section. It's very different. There's a cinema section, a drama section, and it doesn't really have a crossword puzzle. No, not like the Post. It has a Times crossword puzzle. Very different. But uh, <laughs> it's all style in the yard wide. However, uh, I uh, noticed a very interesting thing with the graph thing. I, I uh, Every time I see a graph, I having the kind of bad mind I have, I keep thinking that the, if they could graph your life, you know, you start out at zero. You know, it's a let's put it this way: it's uh, the coordinates are. You know what the coordinates are, don't you? Nothing to do with pantsuits uh, at Alexander's the Magnificent up on Fordham Road, flown in specially for the big sale from Hong Kong or Taiwan. You know. I, I got a pair of Taiwan tennis shoes. It's amazing. I'm beginning to believe that the Oriental foot is nothing like our foot. Not at all. Six toes for one. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, we're going to be honest here for a change. They're honest about us all the time. They write stuff all over the walls about the Americans. So we might as well talk about other people, too. You know, we all start writing stuff. I, I, I read... Uh, I read uh, today in the paper that uh, that there's a great influx of foreign tourists have come in. You know? Did you know that? Well, that's, you know, the real sign of affluence. Particularly Japanese. Have, uh, they're the number one tourist now. 
coming in over here with cameras and all, walking around. Well, I, I was over in the, in the Far East in Japan, as a matter of fact, about months ago. Every time I went to turn around a corner, there's a big sign that says, Yankee, go home. And I'm thinking of writing all over the side of the Empire State Building. Japanese, go home. Take Mazda with you. you know? <laughs> oh, well, you know, what the heck. We're a part of the world now. We might as well do all the other stuff that the world does, you know, like say bad stuff about everybody else. What, dee 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 and this is going to be a nice lead into Mr. Beam tonight, isn't it? Indeed. But uh, politics does that to you. I, my only experience with, uh, you know, big-time politics, and before we go on with big-time politics, would you lay another one of them little transcribed goodies on us, please? Because it's made from a blend of the most flavorful coffees that money can buy. And now, Chocolate Nuts has a decaffeinated coffee, 98% caffeine-free, which is made from the same blend of the world's finest coffee beans. Please try it and enjoy heavenly flavor in decaffeinated coffee, 98% caffeine-free. Your grocer has it, so ask for Chocolate Nuts, 98% caffeine-free coffee. And have heavenly dreams, no matter how late you drink it. <laughs> heavenly dreams. Right, can you just see this guy laying on a on a psychiatrist's couch, you know, and he's been for forty years he's been having these unbelievable, fantastic dreams. And that's what he's there for, you know. The guy keeps uh, saying and then what happened? See the doctor, the psychiatrist says, gets all caught up in the guy's narration. Says, well, what was that happened? Then? And then you was on the, you was on the cliff. And then what happened? After all, you know, you left me hanging there. We we, we run out of time last week. And then, now, come on, you was on the cliff. And then what happened? And uh, the guy's forty years of fantastic dreams. And uh, funny, the psychiatrist up against the wall. You know, he can't figure out why they. This guy's having these bad dreams for 40 years. Finally, he says, hey, you know, I got an idea here. We got an idea. I know Dr. Freud would not have uh, not have liked this, but on the other hand, Dr. Freud always said, when up against the wall, improvise. What, what, what you got? How about you try chock full of nuts coffee? Maybe you was having too much with the coffees there. And next week, he's totally cured, has heavenly dreams. And the psychiatrist loses another great big fat sugar daddy. Uh, nuts is coffee. <laughs> I've always felt that the trouble with Ahab is that he needed a good, uh, well, X-Lax would have helped him. Uh, he's stumping around on the quarter deck there, you know, shaking his fist at God and getting mad at whales. That's pretty sick. Well, I'll tell you why I'm a little disoriented tonight. I've just come back from the other world. I have just returned this afternoon from Maine. Uh, you know, Maine. The state of Maine. Not the remember the Maine, Maine. You know, the state of Maine. Uh, most New Yorkers have never been there. They, they, Their nose starts to bleed when they get up, uh, you know, get up around uh, Darien. <laughs> A little bit further north that they get really in trouble. But uh, I just got back from Maine. And I want to tell you this, friends. 
it's it's a it's a great feeling to get up into a place like that. You know, you get completely away from New York. New York absorbs you like a giant, uh, well, like a like a whole lake of quicksand. You know, and you get your feet caught in it and all that, and it sucks you in. You can hear the screams of the wounded and the dying. And uh, um, no no theme tonight. No theme. No theme. That'll cure that problem right there. And. Uh, and there I am up in, in Maine, see, and what's great about being up in Maine is you turn on the radio, see, uh, late at night. You hardly any, their television, like, goes off the air, like, 8 o'clock, they come on with the prayer. Yeah, they go to bed very early up there because they all grow chickens, you know, and the chickens get up very early, and they demand to be whatever it is you have to do to chickens, you know, in the morning. So their late, late show is over about 8.15, and, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> And it's kind of good to get up and put, way up up in the boondocks and find places up there where Milton Berle is still on. Yeah, you, you, Uncle Milty is still the king of television on Tuesday night. I don't know how they work that. It must be some kind of a time delay or something. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Hoot 66 is on. Would you believe it? And uh, Vince uh, Vince Edwards has got hair. George Maharis is running around looking mad. He's a doctor or something. And Marcus Welby is a rumor that there may be such a show next year. But uh, it's kind of great to get up there and listen. To, you know, you turn on the radio late at night. I'm in this tent, see, Larry. You know, you've been in the Army. You've been in tents. And you turn on this radio. See, I have a radio. And you hear all the New York stations coming in, drifting hundreds of miles over the pine trees and over the, over the, uh, the main turnpike and the bears. By the way, the town I was in was being was being terrorized by three bears who were walking right down the middle of the street, and they did not play in the NFL. These three walked right down Main Street, by the way, heading for the McDonald's, and <laughs> which I thought kind of great. I could see them coming in there with those fish fillet sandwiches and getting the quarter pounder with the cheese on it, you know. But to hear New York drifting, drifting up there on the radio, it's like listening to the distant, echoing cries of Bedlam. Fantastic! You have no idea how, how nutty New York sounds at a distance. La is that heavenly coffee. Well, friends, that's it for tonight, you know? Disorientation and all. This is, uh, you know who it is. It doesn't matter. This is WOR New York, and you stay tuned. Time for the following program has been paid for by the Bay Ridge Citizens Committee for Abraham Beam in order to present Mr. Gerald A. Carney. Speaking on behalf of Mr. Abraham Beam, candidate for mayor of New York City in the Democratic primary runoff. On his record and through his experience, Abe Beam is by far the best qualified candidate for the office of mayor. 710 on your dial, and now a brief Gene Shepherd program. <laughs> Thank you.
you got to whistle. And you, you have to keep whistling. Now, the snipe hears the whistling, see, and thinks that there's another snipe. Now, for some reason, Otter, and I don't know why it is, but snipe like to hear you whistle Dixie. Do you know how to whistle Dixie? I said, yeah. They say, okay, as soon as we go, you start whistling Dixie, and you keep the bag between the knees, and the snipe will come running in. Okay, good luck. Here's the bag. When I climb out of the car and I got the bag, it's a burlap sack. I go down into the water, which is like 500 degrees below zero, and it is cold. Oh, boy, is it cold. The wind is blowing out of the trees. It is as dark as the inside of your hat. And I start going... into the darkness they're gone and I am suddenly aware all around me is the swamp I'm scared there's nothing but darkness what's that over there by the tree Whenever I go back home, guys holler out a pool room. Hey, chef, how about going out for some snipe? There goes the snipe hunter. I never, ever lived that down. And I became known in certain circles. I said, I can't even say it now. I can't say it now. But I will not say it. But I will never forget hunting snipe. And as far as I'm concerned, those Jersey hunters out there in the darkness banging away at the only three ducks that were seen all that day. Those guys plunging up in the main woods shooting at each other. And me standing knee deep in the swamp whistling Dixie. We're all in the same bag. In the same bag. By the way, friend, how would you like to do a little snipe hunting? I know there's some snipe out there back of Hackensack. Out there by the junkyard. Would you like to go out tonight? Snipe hunting. WOR New York and RKO radio stations.
Crown Park. Did you ever see Death of a Salesman? You did? Well, how do you think a kid growing up in Willie Loman's house thinks about life? I mean, the old man comes home every couple of days, you know, from uh, the road trip to Boston, and he says, boy, do they love me in Boston. They really love me in Boston. Now, I know that the next time I go to Boston, I'm going to get the biggest order that anybody in the New England Territory ever got, and we're going to be on Easy Street, right? Well, now, how does a kid begin to think if he lives in Willie Loman's house? Now, I'm going to ask you other rhetorical questions. You've seen Hamlet, huh? How do you think the king felt about Hamlet? Has anyone ever done the idea of doing Hamlet from the view of the king? You know, the guy that he winds up murdering? You know that whole thing? I mean, you know, he might have thought this guy was a total idiotic hippie who, you know, was completely... There's talk about a generation gap. I mean, he was not interested at all in letting that uncle do his own thing, and uh, which happens to be, you know, be king and make the scene with his mother and all that stuff. That's another story. But uh, no one has ever looked at it from that side that I know of. Now, on the other hand, has anyone, uh, have you ever thought in terms of how would it, how would you feel, say, for example, being the Bobsy twins' father? Uh, what do you think of these two? I mean, uh, are, they, are they unbelievably, sickeningly sweet? Or, uh, or you know, <laughs> you look upon them as really backward, that totally backward. Now, uh, as a kid, you see, I grew up in a, in a family where my old man could easily have been Willie Loman. Well, he didn't think, though, that he was going to make it big at the office. He thought he already had made it big at the office, which is very different. And actually, he had, you know, compared to all the rest of the relatives. My Uncle Carl was always out of work, and Marco Carl's whole dream was one day they would increase his uh, relief check. That's what his dream was, that one day he would be able to really fool them that uh, he needed more dough. See, he would go down every week and tell them that uh, his wife is expecting... And all she was expecting was that, you know, he would come home drunk again. That's about it, see. And he thought one day that she would believe, you know, they would believe him at the, at the uh, relief office. That was his dream. My father's dream was winning a contest. He always figured that he would win one of these things. And I can remember all through my childhood, the, the dining room table being covered with uh, cut-out pictures of the president's. You know, the ones that say, uh, cut out these presidents and identify... It would say, cut out these uh, faces and put them together and then identify the sports figure. That kind of stuff. Well, he would always get past the second or the third round. You know, like it says, uh, identify this president. And there would be a picture of Franklin D. Roosevelt. So he'd know that when he'd write it on FDR. Then the next week, he'd cut it out. There's Herbert Hoover. And then what would they do? They'd throw in Willard Fillmore. Or they'd throw in yeah, Millard, you know... He'd say, Fillmore, Fillmore, Fillmore. See, it, it, automatically he would begin to be shuffed off, sloughed right off. You know, have you, have you recognized life yet for what it is, friends, any of you, seriously? Life is a process of separating the sheep from the goats. Now, it doesn't make any difference what system you live under. It is a process of separating the sheep from the goats. And if you don't think so, you ain't ever been to a, a country that's got another system. You know, if you think, oh, no, under communism, it's not that way. Oh, you think not? Let me tell you, you don't think for one minute that the commissar considers himself in the same boat in life, do you, with the guy that's sweeping out under the shoemaking machine in the factory that he's the commissar of? You bet you're biffy. 
And so life, you know, it's a system of selecting commissars. I mean, you may have a commissar in your office. You know, old Bullard. He got there, friend, and there was one time he was a mewling, puking babe, just like you. And incidentally, I can use that phrase, mewling, puking babe, on radio. It's official because it is Shakespeare. I've just quoted Shakespeare. <laughs> See, if Shakespeare had this show, he'd probably get away with more than I can get away with. But nevertheless, uh, which is incidentally a comment in itself, but uh, nevertheless, life is a system of gradually separating the sheeps from the goats. Well, now, the goats don't like to be separated from the sheeps, do they? And they protest loudly and say, if we had another system, that would not happen. We would become sheeps too. Sorry. It's like some vast, specific gravity is working on all of us. Everybody has a different specific gravity, Matt. Some rise to the top and the others just lay on the bottom like rocks. In other words, your cottage cheese quotient is larger than the next guy's if you don't float. Right? It's the cream that rises to the top, friend. It is the skim milk that lays on the bottom. And what's the difference? Specific gravity. Now, how do you figure out what your specific gravity? You don't lay in the bathtub and holler, Eureka. Or didn't you get that gag? <laughs> you did, didn't you? Why, George Shepard coming up with the classical references tonight. What's he talking about, huh? Well, a poor old Aki Dildock, you are at the bottom of the bottle, if you don't know. offered me was a woolen scarf, and that makes my clothes better. I have lots of friends in Shishmaref, and four different people gave me clothes. We were off before 11 for Wales. The wind was from north, about 20 miles, and partly drifting snow. We made in two hours and a half to Ikpik and stopped for lunch. We have some sandwiches of Spam and coffee. I have not been drinking coffee for years, and all we had was coffee in the bottles. I was so thirsty that I try coffee, and I could not swallow, and I just had to pour out my cup, not drinking it. After our lunch, we headed for Wales. In two hours, we got into Wales, and I was all right and got home all okay. That's the end of the column by Charlie, or by Prince Ongdarasak. Isn't that a great little spring story? <laughs> and, uh, 
He was so happy. See, all his friends offered him clothes up there. And by the way, the, the reason that he didn't drink coffee was not any particular reason about or against coffee, but tea is the universal drink in the Arctic. Uh, everywhere I went, the people do nothing but drink tea because tea can be carried. It doesn't have to have any special equipment to boil or anything. And uh, it's, it's a traditional drink and has been drunk uh, for many, many years, uh, probably 150 years or more in the Arctic. And the way they drink tea is it's scalding hot and so dark that it looks darker than most of what we call coffee here in town. And they load it with enormous amounts of sugar. They put three or four, maybe five teaspoons of sugar in a cup of, of tea. It's like a food. Uh, occasionally they will put butter in it. Uh, I never saw it with cream. And so spring has come to Nome. And up there right now, Charlie Ankarasuk. He wrote this only just a, a couple of weeks ago. This is not an old column. And uh, he's out there uh, with the reindeer herd. And uh, spring has at last arrived. And they're squatting in the snow banks. The temperature is maybe up in his area, probably 25 now. And uh, the snow is coming down. And it's just like here, you see. We get a lot of rain in the spring. Well, up there, they get a lot of snow in the spring. And so the, 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 the drifting snow coming down means spring has arrived uh, with Clarence and all of his friends. <laughs> and so spring is here, gang. Oh, it's time to go out, sit there in, the, in, that, uh, in that long line waiting for your coffee at the Joyce Kilmer, Howard Johnson. And you can't help it, you know. You hear those songs. The blood flows hot and strong in the human animal in the spring. Oh, don't forget now, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Princeton. We'll be there. You be there. Come on now. You hear what I said? It's a spring night. You have been listening to President Nixon's news conference held earlier this evening at the White House. Now, over WOR New York, we join the Gene Shepard program.
Hmm, would you please give me a little echo chamber in that place? Once in a generation, a man arrives who speaks for all men, who deals with the exigencies of the time that he walks the earth. Tonight we have with us such a man. And uh, how about laying a little uh, spaghetti commercial on you here, huh? Yeah, we got it there. Here it is. Uh, it is a spaghetti commercial. Come on, come all to the feast of your life for only six ninety-five. Uh, now wait, can this be true? Well, folks, that's what it says. <laughs> this commercial—that's uh, known as the coy approach. For only six ninety-five, you can dine, feast, celebrate. Now, what's the difference between dining and feasting? Well, I suppose uh, uh, that's a matter of uh, degree. Uh, to dine is a certain elegance. To feast has a certain uh, Roman decadence to it. I wish they'd add one more, or gorge, depending on what you want to do. Dine, feast, gorge, celebrate, and have the time of your life. At the East 58th Street Spaghetti and Macaroni Factoria's first annual Carnival Mardi Gras. It's a hell of a mouthful. Yes, Manhattan's famous Spaghetti and Macaroni Factoria is celebrating the New Orleans Mardi Gras with an Italian flair. And you get all this stuff like uh, cappuccino, Italian pastries, pizza bread, garlic, carnivale salad, uh, chicken rollatini with rice, uh, scrumptioso, uh, what is that? I guess that's uh, with the uh, Parmesan cheese. Scrumptioso sausage and peppers, luscious lasagna, and a cold and a hot antipasto. Very good. Says Reed with a tiny egg. That's terrible. I... I I, I don't I don't like that. For reservations and fun, call 751-9060. That's going to be fun. I like good Italian food. <laughs> but I do. Well, let's, uh, let's face it. But uh, when it comes to uh, Mardi Gras, uh, you know uh, Gorge, to Gorge to Feast to Dine, that's the declension and the extension of man's waistline. However, uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, you know, you... Okay, we have another one. What's what's this? It's Time Mag? Oh, okay, fine. Map. Nation. People. World. Medicine. Education. Milestone. Energy. Cinema. Business. Law. Modern living. Cover story. In its cover story this week, Time Magazine explores the psychic frontier. In the age of science, impossible things still happen. One man has his tennis elbow healed at a touch. Another seems able to bend metal by thinking about it. Women see colors with their fingertips. Parapsychology is gaining new respectability, but the field still swarms with fakes. Is there a paranormal world? The answer, says time, must come from those who have nothing to lose but their skepticism. Other phenomena in time this week, the politics of terror in the kidnappings of Pat Hurst and Reg Murphy. New evidence that the universe may one day stop expanding and start to contract. And a chimpanzee who is learning to read and write by computer. Pick up a copy of Time This Week. Because time makes everything more interesting, including you. Time, from Time Incorporated. And now we're back. Good. <laughs> that was clever. <laughs> you please. We'll bring it out of the so we want more violins. Richard, deeper wine. Bring on the women. By God, let's have the song. Let's have the dance. The party must go on. <laughs> yeah. Would you please stop stepping on my sandwich for crying out loud? Come on. What the hell kind of a party is this? 
Stay tuned for John Wingate. 